Welcome back to Strive Defy. As always, I'm your host, Joseph Hadaway, and today I'm sitting down with Chris Gormley. Chris is a real estate developer, among several other things, and a high-performance coach. So how are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing well, my man. Zero complaints. How about you? I'm doing quite well myself. Uh, I have one complaint. It's getting a little cold for my liking, but uh, I'll, I'll get better. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. I'm not far from you. It's about 38 here, so it's it's chilly. Although some people <laughs> listening to this might be complaining, like, really, 38? But it's cold. <laughs> I know for Pat, we have a couple Canadian listeners. They're probably uh, quite angry at both of us right now. <laughs> for sure. They hey, but, but either way, I gave you a little bit of a bio there. What else can you tell us about yourself? Yeah. So, um, you know, father to a six-year-old definitely comes first above everything. Uh, big family guy. Uh, mom just moved down here from Michigan about a couple months nice. ago. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm into, uh, I, you know, I like to lift weights, a big sports guy growing up. So, uh, you know, did martial arts, played soccer, basketball, and uh, just try to stay active, live a healthy lifestyle. And I'm big into motorcycles and, and really anything adrenaline, Joseph. So <laughs> jumping out of planes, all that fun stuff. I think that's where the, the high performance coach comes in. Yeah. Um, right. We'll get, we'll get to the, so we'll, we'll get to that though in a moment. First up, you know, one of our first talks and one of the things that got us talking is you're a real estate developer and investor. What got you into real estate? Always had a passion for it. Um, ever since back in high school, when they used to build, you know, commercial retail centers, I always used to wonder like who owns those, you know, who builds those. I it was, I was always just really curious. And so I moved out to Southern California uh, after college, got into medical device sales. I did payroll for about a year, but then medical device sales. And I was around a lot of real estate people. And I just, it was always that, that one thing that just never went away. And I always knew I wanted to do something with it. Um, was always told that, you know, should try my hand at brokerage and things like that. So I was about 27 years old and I was getting tired of the the rat race, the W2 <laughs> and just my wheels started turning. So I got my, my residential brokerage license, um, tried that for a while, didn't really stick did the commercial brokerage route for a while again didn't really stick and then when COVID hit uh, i the the investor light bulb went off so fixing and flipping houses the burr strategy everything like that i read rich dad poor dad like probably a lot of people do yep and um it changed the game i just went all in and six months later i started my company and about three to four weeks into starting my company i left my job which was the wow. crazy but yeah craziest but best thing i ever did i was gonna say we're i, I guess out of just to jump right off of that because i didn't know that um that, that maybe i should have done a little more research but either way jumping five weeks i mean were you replacing income or even close to it at that point or did you know was it a big leap of faith it was a leap of faith all the way through and through man i and i'm i'm transparent about numbers and stuff like that um i was making about a quarter million bucks a year in medical sales and wow. i was halfway through my first flip and i left it was like i was that i mean i had people telling me like are you, what are you doing? Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And <laughs> I was just so burnt out, Joseph. I was truly so burnt out that the money was really the last thing on my mind. Of course, you know, my daughter at the time was two, but I just, That's I just right. knew I, I had this confidence of like, I just know I'm going to make this work. And I just, that's what I did. And that also kind of, you know, brings it in perspective as well. We're, we're not talking, you know, you hear a lot of these, I just jumped out the, out the plane kind of stories. Uh, that are 10, 15, 20 years ago. But I mean, man, we're talking three years ago. Yeah. You like you very quickly and very recently went from one life to another. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, almost overnight. Felt like also, wow. 250. Maybe, uh, maybe I need a little change of career there, <laughs> <laughs> but okay. So also just out of curiosity, cause I know you're in the Charlotte area. Um, 
What brought you back to North Carolina? <laughs> yeah, good question. So when I left Michigan, I, I had a whole new level of appreciation for where I grew up after I left. I loved SoCal. I was up in Seattle for a while. Um, wasn't my favorite place, if I'm being honest with you. But <laughs> um, I knew I wanted to get back to this side, but I didn't want to do the, the Michigan winter. So naturally, I just went south, and we were just looking all around, and and we just felt like Charlotte really, like slash North Carolina was really the – just it was very well located centrally located like close to miami quick to get to new york um growing city closer to my real estate projects a super hot market and you know mountains are right here the ocean's not too far away and that was it pull the trigger your uh your story is much more romantic than ours is we were just scrolling zillow and said huh we can afford a house there and uh here we are at that at that point we we closed on the house uh neither of us had ever been in north carolina at all so no way. Did you? So you moved here like sight unseen? Yes, sir. Wow. Good for you. Uh, it's not a bad spot either. It is not. We've been we've been very impressed. Uh, but I got to say, word of advice to anybody else out there, if you're going to buy a house and you can go see it, don't do not do what we did. <laughs> so, yeah. Sight unseen, four states away, has caused some very unique, I'm trying to think of the nicest way to word this that is, doesn't just say that I'm an idiot. Um, it has caused some unforeseen challenges along the way that we had to be very creative to solve <laughs> in a short and a quick pinch. I bet. Uh, I'll, I'll back back to Chris though. Um, so you mentioned you know you quit your job through your first flip. Yep. Do you have a number? Or if you have to guess, me how many flips are you at now? Um, mid twenties, twenty three ish. I just Ooh. bought another one the other day. Yeah, mid twenty ish. So not crazy insane, but I mean, that's still what, seven a year, seven to eight a year. That's a good number. Yeah. Yeah. Roughly about that. Yeah. I mean, at one point I was, I was doing about six or seven at a time. And when I got into my commercial development project, six months into my business, I naturally just scaled back on the flips a little bit, but I still continue to do them just because that, you know, the short little pops of, of income was, it was helpful. Oh so. yeah. I I know several flippers who it's a hobby thing for them, but they'll make 40, 50 in a year off one flip. Right. So right. I, I, I can imagine you got seven of those going at a time. Right. Yeah. Especially COVID. I mean, everything was, you know, it was crazy. <laughs> Just above asking a couple of days on the market, if that. So again, on, on the moving story, this house went on the market Friday on a Friday afternoon. We, our offer was accepted by like Saturday morning. It, that, that yeah. was the, that was the housing market. Uh, right. And also, I think we were 10K over asking, and we weren't even the highest bidder. Um, say that, well, that was a good deal for that time. It, yeah. It was, um, but yeah, you know, continuing kind of on that. So one, one to seven, that's a pretty big business scale right there. That's revenue scale. I'm, you know, obviously at this point, you're doing less and less yourself just because how can you across seven houses? Mm-hmm. How did you approach that scaling mindset and how'd you do it? Well, yeah, that was, so it was tough. Um, mm-hmm. I, I joined a mastermind and that definitely helped because there were guys in there doing, you know, 150, 200 flips a year running massive companies. Um, that really helped me understand like the systems and processes. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll tell you this, like, I just give all the credit to my team because I was virtually flipping and I was flipping over in the Midwest markets because Seattle oh, was wow. just crazy. Yeah. And so, I, I mean, I had a really solid broker, uh, really solid general contractor. And, you know, I was, um, I, I had good deal finders. Like I, I really just met the right people at the right time. And I saw that opportunity and I knew that. And I had, after the first couple of flips, I had a lot of trust in my team and that's what allowed me to scale. 
So I was still going to that market and visiting and, and checking out the flips and stuff, but just having that right team, it, it was truly everything. And, and then a lot of the, the, you know, the back end, uh, more the operations as far as like the financials and the QuickBooks and all that, that's mm -hmm. where I was just, I was buried into my computer. I mean, I was constantly looking at numbers, managing the projects, um, you know, getting in arguments with my accountant all the time. Cause I wasn't doing things <laughs> the right way. So that was, uh, that was the struggle, but my team made it really easy. If I'm being completely real with you. Yeah. Uh, and I know you said you were going to visit also. Um, I'm gonna compare yep. your, I'm gonna compare your story to somebody else's here in a minute, but before we do that, um, did you hire remotely or did you go hire in person or, you know, I, I guess, you know, with contractors also, you could have, you might not have had, you know, staff per se, as much as just people you worked with. Mm -hmm. I, so I hired, it was more remote, but it, I was only referral based. Okay. I didn't go to Google or anything like that. The Facebook groups helped, but I was all referral based. So like my broker introduced me to the contractor that she had used before or other clients had used that she represented. So, um, of course I vetted them out. I interviewed them. I talked with them. Uh, my general contractor actually became a, a lot more of like a mentor to me, uh, helping me with the rehab and being very transparent with like cost plus and all the different models and everything. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it was more of a virtual, mm -hmm. I ended up meeting everybody of course, but I, I was big on the referral piece. Like I'm massive on referrals. So I had to ask about that because uh, we did, I guess, really, I say we, I did a uh, guest screening for potential guests probably like two-ish years ago, two or three, mm -hmm. um, who was located in the SoCal area, but he was investing primarily in Mobile, Alabama, if you're familiar. Yep. Uh, and I got real excited because I'm from Mobile, was living in Mobile at the time. And I'm like, oh, that's great. He's like, oh, yeah, I've never been. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, that's, how do you, because he, he was like, he, he was doing like six or eight flips a year in the Mobile area, could not point out on the map. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. I mean, Hey, that's the time we live in though, in the world of Zillow and Redfin and, you know, cell phones. It's like, you can just do everything from it. Oh yeah. I'm keeping my mouth shut. He makes a lot more money than I do. <laughs> so who, who am I to argue with him? Right. Right. No, that's a fair statement. So I guess, you know, also to, you know, continue on that talking long-term real estate flips. Cause I do want to get into commercial development, but I, I'm not, I'm not done with flips yet. Um, mm -hmm. Even, you know, screening deals was that all redfin you know zillow for you or you know boots on the ground for that or did you have a guy for that i know you said you had a broker how much did he help yeah broker helped a lot for sure running comps um so what i would do is i would just run my comparables hmm. i would give my broker the address to run the comparables and then i would just see how they matched <laughs> up and that was just sort of having two eyes um, even my, my general contractor who flipped a lot of houses in that area and even he would chime in and say hey this is kind of where i think this has worked so there was a lot of transparency, um, a lot of sort of cross-referencing numbers, mm -hmm. and that really helped. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty much just Zillow, and and you know, I think I was using like PropStream <laughs> or something like that at the time. Oh, love good old PropStream. Yeah, uh, one. that's. Uh, I mean, I, I like you said that that is very much the world we live in, you know. Yeah. And, but hey, if it works, it works. Um, and right. I, to to more getting into getting to know you and also build a little bit of credibility here. Were you using your own money in these deals or did you have investors going in with you? Uh, I had investors going with me. My okay. first, my first two deals, I brought my own capital to the table. Mm -hmm. um, the down payment, I brought in hard money on pretty much 85, 90% of it. That was my next question. <laughs> oh, was it? Yep, yep. Yep. Hard money for sure. Um, and then I, and actually it was a buddy from college who works with a lender that did hard money. So he actually got me my first loan, which was really cool. Walked me through the whole process. 
And then after deal three, it was all private money and hard money. So wow. I was I was into these deals, you know. I mean, obviously a little a, a little bit risky, if you will, because I was fully leveraged out. But mm -hmm. um, I'd bring in hard money. I'd bring in the the gap through um, private money, and then also the money to start the rehab. So you know, if I had to bring twenty five thousand to the closing table, I'd raise for fifty or sixty, and that would help me fund the rehab. You know, fund the closing, <laughs> and uh, I was off to the races. So, I, and I, I do want to make a point here, and I I feel like you'll probably agree with me on this. To everybody listening at home, yeah, Chris has done something really cool and it's worked out really, really well. That doesn't mean you should go on and take a 90% hard money loan. Correct. Like th this has worked well for him and there are strategies that work, but there are a lot that don't. <laughs> Absolutely correct. Because I have seen the other side of it. You know, I have, I've had the deals where we had the unforeseen foundational issues or even more recently when the market corrected. And on top of that, one of the, con this was a property here in North Carolina, but one of the contractors didn't pan out and just a mix of things that happened to where I was, you know, pretty quickly underwater. And I haven't, you know, I haven't lost like in like insanely where it's like, Holy cow, you know, I need to get out of this industry. But um, even then that's a bad example. Cause I, I, I wouldn't get out of this industry, but I have been on the other side of that for sure. So yes, you, over leveraging is a real thing and you just got to be very careful that you buy your deals right and everything like that. So, and I mean, Hey, to even talk personal example, we, we're, I've talked about this a lot, Twitter here, my YouTube channel, I think I have like three videos about it in the last year. We bought this house, the intention of, of fixing it up for a year and renting it out. Uh, that year ended four months ago and we are about $23,000 over budget. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> so yeah. thank yeah. God we didn't flip it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Because that's yeah. a because like you pay extra for a roof inspection and an HVAC inspection, and suddenly twenty two grand later, neither of those things, both of those things, have to be replaced. Yep, it, it happens adds up very quick. <laughs> very, very a lot quicker than I'm proud of sometimes. That's right, right. Um, but yeah, um, you know, kind of continue on that. Moving more into you know your commercial real estate experience as mm -hmm. what more of a developer correct or correct, do you yep. do you own own and rent out office buildings no nope nope uh so this was uh my my first commercial project i was ground up uh, a developer on a ground up commercial property for a mixed use so luxury condo retail <laughs> space type project Ah, uh, that you know, you you do live in charlotte that makes sense um yeah yep. how'd you get into that how'd you get that first deal so excuse me um yeah, I have a gnarly cough. It's that time of year, by the way. But yep. uh, uh, so let's see. So th this project actually is up in Indiana as well. Mm -hmm. um, but it is unique because it's it's right on Notre Dame's campus. Okay. And I I raised money from uh, a ultra high net worth individual who made it very clear that fix and flips were not really worth his time. And mm -hmm. that was fine with me because I didn't go into this business with flips. Like I wanted to go bigger. And so we flipped four houses. All went well. And then I saw a piece of quote unquote beachfront property, you know, Notre Dame front property, if you will. Yeah. And uh, it just worked out. I mean, the, 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 the location, the price and, you know, I, I, I pitched it and everything went well and uh, we, we closed on the land and, and quickly started going through the, you know, uh, the, the variance process and with the good, with the city and doing all the things that go, you know, are involved with a deal as far as architectural and, you know, construction design and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So. And uh, are you, are you, I have to ask the important question. Are you a Notre Dame fan? 
I'm not a Notre Dame fan, Joseph. <laughs> I do follow them because it's good to be. I mean, there's been some PR on that project. So I'm not a massive fo college football fan to begin with, but I'm a Michigan guy. I mean, you know, let's be real. Um, but no. What about you? Who's your team? Well, uh, Georgia. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, uh, originally, I mean, I'm again born and raised Alabama, a bunch of Alabama fans. My master's is from Georgia, so I've got I would tell people I have to cheer where I paid. Uh, <laughs> right. It's a good point. But uh, I, I had to ask because you were bringing up. I always, I this is going to sound terrible. I always forget Notre Dame is in Indiana. I always, always forget. And every time I someone know. brings it up, I, I've been over, I've been over here googling it and also scrolling your Instagram at the same time. Yeah, there it's a it is such a random city like South Bend, <laughs> Indiana. It's like this beautiful campus in this like random city that you know it's not really rough, like super rough. It's just you know it's just what you'd expect, I guess, a small midtown Indiana type type atmosphere i mean i've i've been to indiana a few times so i know i i think anyone else who has knows exactly what you mean by that yeah yeah so yeah and then continuing you got that first deal with the development mm -hmm. is that a path you saw yourself getting into or did it kind of just work out because I, I know you i know you said you wanted something bigger but was this always the bigger yes it was actually um which is why i'm so big on on law of attraction and visualization and really understanding your vision and where you're going. Um, kind of going back to the the example I brought up earlier in the podcast about being in high school when they built those commercial buildings and wondering who built those, you know, <laughs> I had found out through my journey of, you know, being a commercial broker and getting into fixing and flipping, like how development worked. I didn't know anything about anything when it came to development, but I know that when the opportunity presented itself, I was like, this is exactly what I've been wanting to do. And I was fortunate enough to meet somebody who became an owner's rep for me, which basically just walks, you know, helps me through the project. Uh, they're now a mentor and business partner and good friend of mine. So everything just really worked out. Um, and it was exactly, yes, what I wanted to do, which was really cool to look back and, and say. And uh, was that also, I'm sorry, you probably said this, that 2020, 2021? I know we're still talking pretty recent. Yeah, this was, uh, this was six months later. So it was, it was April of 2021. So again, we're talking again, we're talking a significant amount of success in April 2021. That is less than two years ago. No, yeah. I'm bad at math. A little more than two years ago. Right, right. Time flies. <laughs> Nobody clipped that because that'll be used against me forever. Um so yeah, I mean also if you don't mind me asking, or if you have a number, how many real estate uh development projects are you at now? So I'm on my second one and looking at a third. Okay. Um, the first one was just like all in and learning. And I went through everything. Like I said, we had to, we had to get a variance because we wanted to build higher than the maximum, uh, building height. You know, we had to go through some stuff with the city planning, with the mayor, uh, redesigning the building. I mean, we went through a ton of stuff with this deal and, you know, even then there was a, uh, essentially a swap out of equity partners. Uh, my, my, the guys that I actually raised the money from, uh, there, one of them was going through a really personal situation, which caused a disruption in the project. So I'm now in the process right now of bringing in a new equity partner to continue the project, which has put the project mm -hmm. on hold. So I've just, I mean, I've gone through, you know, every pretty, not everything, but a lot of, a lot of stuff mm -hmm. that you could go through in a development I've went through. So I really went all in on this and now I'm to the point where I'm like, okay, it's time to start hunting for more deals. So I just went under contract on a 196 lot deal. Uh, it's more of a horizontal. So basically for those listening, what I'm going to be doing is going in and building the roads, uh, street wow. signs, the curbs, and I'm going to have 196 pads ready 
for a builder or builders in this deal, it's going to be a, a national builder. They're going to come in and buy all 196 lots and they'll build the houses. So I'm in that deal with a couple partners. And then we're also looking at a uh, 28 unit townhouse ground up project as well. So not, you know, not massive, but a decent size. I mean, still that's, that's, I mean, you're talking to me, myself and I, and also I know roughly who listens to this podcast, uh, our demographics. And I think you kind of just blew the mind of a lot of them. <laughs> well, I, I, good, man. I'm, I'm here to just try to inspire and answer any questions. So, you which know. before we get into, you know, like your coaching and things, cause I did scroll again, I mentioned, I've scrolled your Instagram a few times in the last couple of weeks. Um, and that's a lot of what you talk about, but before we get into that, I do want to ask one more thing. Cause the way, you know, you're talking about development, and everything and equity partners enough, you know, big picture CEO kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. at what point, I guess, did you get to a point where you could just focus on the big picture stuff and start, you know, delegating the day-to-day tasks? And then what, ta- how do you know what tasks to delegate and what to keep for Chris? Yeah. Um, another good question. So I think I look at, what are critical decisions to be made every day and what's Mm going to help drive the needle forward with, with business. So if that's looking at a deal, if that's raising capital, if that's making a key decision about one of the projects, then that's obviously something I want to be involved in. Um, When it comes to, especially with the development, when it comes to things like the design of the building, um, you know, certain like legal administrative, you know, city type things where I can have certain people drive that process. uh, Then those are things that I will delegate. So you know, a lot of it is, is, and same thing with the flipping, you know, when it comes to looking at a flip or raising the capital, I want to do it when it comes to like more of the project management, uh, I would prefer to bring somebody in for that, or even have Mm -hmm. the general contractor and even my broker kind of help project manage that. So that's, that's really how I look at it and analyze it is, is, is this a, is there a key decision that needs to be made? And does this have to do with either closing on a deal or raising capital for a deal? makes sense that yeah 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 yeah. uh not i i try to listen to you and go for a follow-up but no you just answered the question extremely thoroughly uh you would be a terrible politician (laughs) right right yeah especially nowadays my goodness um yeah well that that's another podcast that's a whole other podcast (laughs) whole other episode but okay, so yeah, getting into coaching, let, let's start here. What is a high performance coach? What what do you do? Yeah, so you know, I, I call myself the tough love discipline coach, the tough love high performance coach. Uh, essentially, you know, I believe that in order to get to a certain level, you have to remove a certain amount of emotion out of what you do, and it's mm-hmm. not about it's not about you. It's not about how you feel. It's more about the people around you that you serve. And it's more about maintaining a certain level of pragmatism and logic that's going to get you there. Because if you always go off of emotion, you're going to ride a roller coaster. And I also believe that, and this is what I've experienced with my life, is that the more logical and pragmatic I've gotten in about a certain situation, once it gets me to a certain level, it actually leads to me emotionally a feeling better about me and those around me to begin with. So like, if I want to go out and do something really hard, and I go based on how I feel, I'm probably going to fail. But if I want to do something really hard, and I get really pragmatic about it, and I make it about the other people around me, and then I go achieve that thing. It's not like I stay this like emotionless, super logical person, it just actually makes me feel more confident in myself more fulfilled, the people around me are winning. And so that leads to better emotion. So I teach really off of results and pragmatism, I tell people like, I'm not here to spare your feelings. Like I will, <laughs> I will tell I will give you the tough love, I will tell you what you need to hear. Because 
you come to me if you want to get the results. And I tell people like there is a place and a time and a need for therapy. I'm just not that person. And so that's really how I how I coach Joseph. I just I think some people need to be um, they just need to be, you know, kicked in the rear end for lack of better terms. I was going to say, I mean, you're talking about this with like even just in your like where I mean, we're sitting here chatting, basically the yeah. tone and like cadence of your voice just sounds very high energy. Let's go get it. Like yeah. you, this is, please don't take this as an insult, but like if a can of Red Bull could talk, it would be Chris Gormley. Hey, I love that. That's a huge <laughs> compliment. <laughs> I love it. Like you, you definitely, and again, this is not an insult at all. If anything, it's a compliment. You sound like the kind of guy that like, you know, roll up, rolls out of bed and let's seize the day. No coffee, nothing. Right. It's, well, it's funny enough that you say that because at one point I was getting up at 3 a.m. drinking decaf and I was like, something is wrong with me. <laughs> man, oh, oh man. Maybe I need to hang out with you more. Cause uh, I, I switched to decaf, I don't know, four months ago. And uh, I'm not, it's not going well. <laughs> I'm up okay. at four. I'm up at four every morning. So maybe it's the one less hour that I need. Dude, that's still really good though. Cause well, that's kind of where I'm at too. Because the reality is, is people can brag about getting up at 3 a.m., but they're also probably going to bed at nine. But then there's people that stay up until midnight and get everything done and they sleep in until six. So it's like, it's what works for you. I mean, mm -hmm. I don't I don't condone getting four hours of sleep a night, <laughs> at least for an extended period of time. When I first started my coaching business, I was about 12 to three for about three, four weeks. But I just, I think it's neither here nor there. You get up at three, you probably go to bed early, you know? I was, I think I went to bed at eight, maybe even 7.30 last night, but even that was a little early for me. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, as soon as you said midnight, I'm like, oh, no. I, I, uh, downside of growing up, I haven't seen midnight in a while. You haven't, what? oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, da downside of growing up. Um, yeah. So, I, you know, going back into, you know, flipping, development, everything, when did coaching become part of it? This was about two months ago. Oh, wow. We, yeah. Okay. I, again, I, I'm, I even have your Instagram pulled up right now. I'll link it in the show notes, by the way, anyone who wants to get on Chris's uh, Instagram, don't show your wives and girlfriends. The dude hits the gym. A um, <laughs> little bit. I was going to say, I'm scrolling through and like, I mean, you've got a massive social presence in a short amount of time. So I had just assumed you'd been doing this for years. Oh my God. No, nope. Um, uh, yeah, three, two and a half, three months now is is October, ish. So, yeah. And I, I also I saw you had a course. I that was probably right where my research started lacking. I didn't look into it too much. Um, do you focus yeah, so, more on like the course teaching, the one on one, or? So the court the the course is actually coming. Um, it does it does show a course tab on my site. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am I am very much the one on one in the group. Uh, group mm -hmm. coaching. So I have, I essentially have three tiers. Uh, I do a weekly group call, which is a real low cost to entry. It's, it's where, you know, someone shows up or each person shows up with a win, a loss and a question for me for the week. Okay. Um, and that's really just for people who either aren't as financially sound, or they just want to kind of feel me out. And they just, you know, they want to get in to just be a part of the the Savage Servant coaching community. And then I also have a one-on-one -on -one where there's um, like just more of a monthly call for really that person that needs to sit down for like that power hour and really hammer through and just go through some stuff. And then we'll talk in a month. And then I have the the, the top tier, which is really the handholding where it's a, it's a weekly call every single week. Uh, there's daily check-ins and that's really like, that's really helping people get to the next level. So. I, and also, and we can edit out any of these questions you don't want. So this one overextends out of curiosity, what demographic are you seeing for these? 
Yeah. So typically it's 20, it's like 28 to 50. Oh, wow. Um, that is, I'll admit that skews older than I was assuming. Yeah, no, it, I, there, there are people that are, you know, pushing their mid forties that just, you know, whether it's testosterone's getting lower or they're just in that like midlife, I don't, you know, that kind of hump, I don't know what to do. Um, I will say, I feel like early thirties is kind of more of what I attract. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't really going after the super young, you know, 18 to 24 ish. Like it was more like, I want someone who's already been sort of established. I mean, my, I'll be fully transparent. My coaching is not the cheapest and I don't really want somebody who's coming in from like absolute ground up when it comes to self-development, because mm-hmm. I am on, I am picky on who I work with as well because I do real estate. So I don't just take anybody on. Uh, I don't, you know, pressure people. I'm not this, you know, like car sales and kind of guy, like it needs to be a very mutual fit. And so mm-hmm. I don't want, like I said, I don't want that like 18 year old. That's just going to kind of be one foot in one foot out, not take it serious, not have the money. That, that, know? that's why I was asking. So yeah, I think, I mean, I'm 26. I'm not that old. Uh, mm-hmm. I talked about when I was 18, 19, not too long ago. And I mean, uh, I probably could have used a kick in the pants a few times. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's what that's. So when you started talking, you know, the pushing and everything, that's surprised me. Wow. I, Mar- I'll give you points on the marketing. I, that was a market that I didn't know existed. Yeah, no, it's, it's not very big, Joseph, from what I've seen. I mean, there's a couple guys I follow that do it, but it's, um, it's easy to coach off of wanting to be liked, you know, and wanting to like appease to everybody or coming up with all these systems and steps and, you know, this new breakthrough type. And I'm just real simple. I just make things very simple, very effective. And I don't overcomplicate things, you know, mindset can get complicating but i i really try my best to simplify it so also another one of these like i hope you don't get offended questions i'm gonna ask did you do martial arts growing up i did okay i I had to ask because i've had a few people on the podcast or a few like just real life friends or net friends who also got very into or you know did martial arts growing up and they i don't know what about it is but you all seem to carry this you know the same kind of tough love mentality yeah yeah Everyone I talk to is hyper successful. So obviously it works, you know, send your kids to karate camp or something. That's what we're learning here. (laughs) But I've just, you started talking and I I just had a conversation with somebody, I think it was last week where we were having this exact same talk. I mean, he doesn't do the the tough love coaching, but I was like, Hmm, this sounds Mm -hmm. familiar. Yep. It seems to be. Yeah. Especially if you had that old school, Mr. Miyagi, like instructor, (laughs) uh, which I had, you know, this yeah, Yeah. He master Muhammad. He was, uh, he was a savior for sure, but I, I hated him most of the time. <laughs> so I think it's a sign though, of like one of the best like teachers and like coaches and things. Um, yep. even like playing football growing up. I know I hated our, my coach sometimes, but right. uh, looking back, that was very formative for me and I needed it. Yep, exactly. Exactly. It's like hate him now, love him later kind of thing. It's like the Michael Jordan story, you know, everyone hated him, but they love those rings on their <laughs> fingers. So, but I guess, you know, also just while we're in the subject, you know, do you feel principles from that eke into this at all or am i over am i overstepping as far as like from martial arts yes sir yeah 1000 percent. yes 1000 uh, percent. it taught me it's it's taught me a lot of stoicism and I, I i will say over the last three to four years i feel like my stoicism and my my wisdom has re- really evolved which i do think some things just come with age but even when i was younger um i, I mean i would have gotten into a lot of trouble if i got into a fight you know like a like a street fight or whatever which i was never a big street fight kind of guy anyway but i would have gotten into a lot of trouble for that and you know yes ma'am yes sir uh respect 
uh, you know, believing in yourself and knowing that you're, it's almost like this balance of like, you got to think you're better than everybody, but you also don't <laughs> think you're better than anybody. Like we're all human. We're all, you know, like the CEO is no different than the janitor, but you also got to realize like how capable you are. So it's learning that balance at a young age. Um, there's a lot of stuff that transpired from martial arts. And quite frankly, it was my saving grace for sure. Like I grew up in a single parent household. My dad wasn't around. My mom did the best she could. A lot of emotional instability in the household, love her to death, but that was just reality. And so um, that kept me on the straight and narrow. Like, I don't think I would be where I'm at. I can almost factually say that without Taekwondo and martial arts. Oh, wow. I mean, Hey, so it, again, kids are not kids. Parents send you, we know what activity your kid needs to be doing now. That's right. Um, I mean, even growing up, I, I'm not going to lie. I was probably, especially elementary school, part of the teasing on some of those kids. But I look at what they're doing now, and I'm like, oh, yeah, hi. <laughs> I should have followed along. But, uh, you know, right. kind of going on that, you know, you are you are very obviously a hyper-motivated person. Like, yes, you know, I engage in your content. We talked before this, but even, again, going back to just the cadence and the way you speak, it's very obvious the way you carry yourself. Is that all internal? Or, I mean, do you think they're... I guess what I'm getting at is what's your why? Like what gets you out of bed? What got you up at 3 a.m. with a cup of decaf? Was it just Chris or was it something else too? Man, another good question. Um, it started, it, it did start off with me and it started off with this fear of leaving too much on the table. I have heard mm -hmm. too many stories of people that get older. We all know the older you get, the less you care about opinions of other people. Then you realize they never even really cared to begin with. So I've asked myself, like, how can I, like, how can I learn that now versus, you know, waiting until I'm 60. So I, I've just really studied people and I've learned from people. And so for me, it was, yes, I don't want to show up to the grave with regret. <laughs> um, and then it became about, you know, my daughter and the people around me and providing opportunity. And I'm kind of in this middle transition, if you will, like, you know, I, I, I want the nice cars and I want the cool watches <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And I, and that'll never go away, but it is becoming more and more and more about the people around me and serving those people and, just being a good example for people. That's really what it is. You know? I mean, Hey, I, I love to hear that. Cause you know, we've had guests on the podcast you know, you go back and you're like, well, my uncle told me I couldn't. So I'm just running off spite. Yeah. And I, if that works for you, great. But I can tell you that doesn't work for me. Right. I agree. I think it's exactly to the point. It's like, it'll get you to a certain level, but that's not sustainable. You know? No, not at all. No. And so with that said, yeah, we have hit quite a few points. We've been recording, what are we at? Right about 45 minutes, 35, 40 minutes now. Nice. Uh, so nice. It really did. That That is one thing I do love about, love, hate about this podcasting stuff is uh, I've had a few episodes that have gone for three plus hours. And then uh, oh. I, I come out of my office slash recording and my wife's like, where the hell have you been? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was gone for like 20 minutes. Right, right, right. But with that said, you know, I do kind of want to start wrapping this up, go for the closing questions. Um, yeah. Number one, Chris, where can we find you online? Yeah. So uh, Instagram, Facebook, and let's see, LinkedIn. So so the Chris Gormley or at the Chris Gormley. And then um, I'm on TikTok as well, but I don't do anything with it, admittedly. Um, I'm partnered up with a local social media guy who's telling me I need to be on it. So who knows, maybe sooner or later. But yeah, Instagram, Facebook are the big two. And then LinkedIn is a big professional one. Yeah, I will link all of those along with uh, your website down in uh, the show notes below. Awesome. Or I guess if you're watching on YouTube, uh, the video description. Yes. So then number two question, um, 
what is your favorite or, you know, what book resource would you recommend somebody? I usually say to get their finances on track, but, you know, also in your case to reach a level of high performance. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, man, Rich Dad, Poor Dad does such a good job of explaining like the four quadrants mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, having the financial mind. It's not, it's not deep financial literacy. Um, it's not like you're reading an accounting book, but I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad <laughs> is a good one. And then also um, with mindset, gosh, man, I, I almost got to go with uh, Jocko Willink, Extreme Ownership. That book was a, a life changer for me. I mean, I am- all ultimately everything's your fault. You know, you have control of everything. So. Okay. I, I, I had to pull it up on Amazon. I, I, I have seen this and I've heard of it, but I've never read it myself. That. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, free with audible. You might have just saved my weekend. There you go. I'll link those. It, you'll love it. <laughs> I'll link those in the show notes down below too. Um, those, if I remember to get my life together, by the time this episode goes live, shouldn't say that with the performance coach on the line, those will be affiliate <laughs> links. Right. If I don't remember, then they're not affiliate links, but they might be. So I'm, t- I'm saying this now to, you know, CYA. Uh, last up, uh, what's next for Chris? Goodness. Um, more commercial development projects and pushing my social media and the coaching the, on the professional front. Um, personal front, I would like to get into some traveling more. Uh, it's something that, you know, I can still work while I'm doing that. And then mm-hmm. also just continuing to be the best father I can be. That's like I said, that's my, my number one, most important role is, is raising that little girl to attract a man that, you know, I'll be proud of, she'll be proud of. And so, um, and to live a life that she's proud of most importantly. So love to hear it, man. And yeah, definitely go see there's a whole, whole wide world out there. That's right. That's right. It's a big world, but a small world at the same time. So very true. Very, very true. Yeah, that's right. Well, either way, thank you again, Chris Gormley, for coming on the pod. Make sure to watch this on YouTube. Subscribe, like the video. Um, if you are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and I think there's a third one that I can't think of right now, rate us five stars. Um, I sincerely appreciate it. We've been perfect five stars through all of 2023. I would like to carry that momentum into 2024, and you all have been absolutely instrumental in helping us do that, and I do sincerely appreciate it. Um, I haven't pl- plugged this in the official episode yet, but check us out on Patreon. We have one of those now to basically help me hire an editor. Um, and yeah, thank you all for watching. Thank you again, Chris, for coming on, and we'll see you in the next one. <laughs>